Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy. Today, we're going to be talking about UFC Vegas 39, Mackenzie Dern versus Marina Rodriguez, and it's going down Saturday night at the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. You got arguably the best jiu-jitsu practitioner in the division taking on arguably the best striker in the division. The division we're talking about is uh, strawweight. And I mean, listen, the winner is going to put themselves right up there in title contention. And this is honestly one of those fights where it's, I mean, it seems cut and dry on paper, right? You, you feel like this fight stays standing and Marina Rodriguez is going to control the distance, control the pace, just that high output. I mean, she kind of reminds me of uh, a younger Joanna Jacek and her come up a little bit. And then with Mackenzie Dern, it could be a one takedown and the fight is over shortly after type situation. But at the same time, you got to acknowledge the kind of improvements that Mackenzie Dern's been making uh, on the feet ever since she started working with Jason Perilla. Her hands are getting tighter. But what I always noticed from her is that she always had that power. And you guys know, you've heard me talk about it many times. Power goes a long way in the women's divisions and Mackenzie Dern does have that power, but now the hands are starting to get cleaned up. And if she can mix in all areas of her game, I mean, she is such a problem on the mat. I mean, you know, she's the daughter of a uh, Megaton Diaz, you know, you know, or as I like to say, Megatron Diaz, right. And speaking of Megatron, we got Phil Haas on the card later. We got a co-main event between my good friend, Jared Gooden taking on my good acquaintance, Randy Brown. I mean, two guys that, uh, you know, I love Jared like a brother. I mean, after he knocked out Stolze, you know, he came over to my house. We watched that knockout together like 50 times, uh, you know, so I'm always rooting for him. But Randy Brown's the guy that I, I got nothing but the utmost respect for. And, you know, he's just a, a tough stylistic matchup for a lot of people. He's very long. He's rangy. And he's really been paying his dues. So I can't wait to talk about that co-main event between Gooden and Brown. The main event's awesome. You also got the featured bout between Tim Elliott and uh, is it Matthews Nicolau or Mateus Nicolau? Because I know in Brazil they're calling him Mateus, but on the broadcast they call him Matthews. And I know John Anik isn't isn't one to fuck up pronunciation, so maybe it really is Matthews. I would just assume that you know my Brazilian friends are going to be calling him Mateus. So y'all let me know what y'all think about the pronunciation of uh, Nicolau's first name. And, I mean, there's just so much to talk about. So, basically, what we're going to do is we're going to break down the whole car start to finish. And then at the end, I've actually really been enjoying what I've been doing lately where, you know, yeah, it's fun to answer your questions that you type in the chat. And, I, and I'm still down to do that. But I like it when you guys join the call with me face-to-face -face and just ask me the questions. And it's just a lot more interactive that way. It's a lot more personal. I don't know if intimate's the right word, but, you know, it, it, it's a lot funner that way. So, you know, down the stretch of this breakdown, I, I am going to post the link to join the call. So whoever wants to join this call, you know, obviously, as my boy Usher said, just don't waste my time. But, yeah, definitely come in here. Ask me the tough questions. But ask me the questions that I haven't already answered. You know, if uh, this is your first time tuning in to Half the Battle since I beat COVID, um, back on the Span and Smith episode, I explained in the first 15 minutes of the show, you know, about the kind of year I've been having betting wise, my new aspirations, my new passions, what I'm doing going forward. And then on the Ortega versus Volkanovsky episode, I addressed um, that Shaq was taking a break, which I believe he might be back next week. So I'm excited about that. So, yeah, if you all haven't checked those out, go back and listen to those. But, man, I'm just happy to be back here. 
Also got to plug my sponsors, Manscaped and Prize Picks. So we're gonna we're gonna do the whole ordeal. We're gonna get down to business. I got time on my hands. I'm excited to be here, hanging out with you guys. And um, listen, half the battle took about a month or two off when I was battling COVID. So you know, I need y'all to do me a favor and hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that retweet on my tweets. Let people know that we are back in business and that uh, we're ready to do this again. You know, so let, let let's do this, guys. So again. Gonna break down the whole car, the whole card, start to finish. But first up, I gotta give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Manscaped. So, hold on, a second. my dog Leo's destroying some shit. Give me one quick second here. He's he's a little puppy. You y'all y'all met him on the last episode, so the the dude's a little. Uh, he's a little something else, man. At least he doesn't go to the bathroom in the house anymore. Instead, he just destroys everything. But you got to love the guy. So uh, let's do this. So let's talk about Manscaped. Love Manscaped. Do you know what's spookier than seeing a black cat on Halloween? It's shaving your balls with anything other than Manscaped. When it comes to below-the-waist grooming, there's no need to carve your pumpkins this Halloween because Manscaped is here to upgrade your grooming experience. Go from a bite-sized candy bar to a king-sized candy bar and join the 2 million men worldwide by going to Manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20. And, I mean, you guys already know the deal. Last week, Kevin Holland, he's always ready for a short-notice opportunity. He's He's got Manscaped behind him. And now him and Dacus actually just got rebooked for about a month from now. So they're going to run it back. He's always ready. And I stay ready for a short-notice opportunity, too. You know, if uh, So I was telling you all last week, I went to go see that new Sopranos movie. I liked it. My date liked it. My brother did not like it, though. Um, I kind of feel like, you know, it was a good prequel, but there's still some middle ground to cover between where this movie ended and where the first season of the Sopranos begins. But back to this, have you ever tried to trim your balls and it turned into Freddy Krueger film? (laughs) Well, luckily Manscaped is here to save the day and make sure you're smelling fresh with their new refined body wash. Fellas, the ladies love their signature scent and it will scare away those vampires. Unlock your confidence with the Performance Package 4.0. Inside, you'll find the holy grail of men's grooming items. They've made it easy for you to upgrade your grooming routine. It's a full moon out and the werewolf in your pants is howling. It's time to tackle that problem with the Lawnmower 4.0. That's this thing right here. I mean, this thing will keep you ready. And I'm not just saying that. Listen. I was using Manscaped products before they even sponsored me. So now that they do sponsor me, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and try to sell you on something that I don't truly believe in. I truly believe in Manscaped. They've been coming through. But once I get to that ball deodorant, that's the one that's really come in clutch lately. So their finely tuned Pew products feature a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is easily the greatest ball trimmer on the planet. And did I mention it's waterproof too? So, I mean, look, your power goes out, go hit up the shower, no big deal. And they got that LED light, which is clutch as hell. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker, a total game changer to your men's hygiene arsenal. The Weed Whacker is a nose and ear hair trimmer that provides proprietary skin-safe technology that helps prevent nicks, snags and tugs in those delicate areas and guys look there's nothing wrong with having nose hair and ear hair 
but there is something wrong with not addressing it. And I can tell you that the ladies will appreciate it. it if you're on top of your grooming game, man, you got to stay on top of your hygiene. So seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations. This is uh, what I was getting into. You got the crop, uh, the crop preserver. Sorry, I'm fucking up with the camera. You got the crop preserver ball deodorant. You got the crop reviver ball toner and it'll make sure your pumpkins stay fresh and trust me when i say this fellas your balls will thank you and she's gonna thank you too man i mean you know i've always been complimented about how good i smell you know always rocking the cologne i'm always staying fresh and clean but now i'm getting other compliments too if you know what i mean so so uh manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0 the manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag now, bring your comfort and boxers to another level. I can personally vouch for that. I love those boxers specifically for working out and for jujitsu. Super comfortable. And if you're looking like Wolverine and haven't cut your nails recently, be sure to look into the Shears 2.0 nail kit, especially if you're doing jujitsu, man. And they have a bunch of other life-changing products on their website, so be sure to check it out. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Say trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweenie with Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and using code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. All right, guys. I think it's time to get down to business. So first up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Charlie Ontiveros. He's 11-7, and and he's taking on Steve Garcia, who is 11-4. and and currently, they got Steve Garcia minus 300. The comeback on Charlie Ontiveros is plus 240. So initially, before I truly dove into this matchup, what I thought was that, you know, why, why is Steve Garcia minus 300 in the spot, right? Because w- when you actually pay attention to the size differences and the weight classes that these guys have fought at, you know, for example, Steve Garcia on his contender series fight, I mean, he was in there at Bantamweight. Now, granted, he missed weight at 135 pounds. He was in there with a little midget <laughs> that came from flyweight, you know, and he just ran through him like it was no problem. And then his next fight uh, or his UFC fight against uh, against Pena, he just basically got his back taken for like 14 straight minutes. So basically what I'm trying to get at is that Garcia has got experience fighting at Bantamweight, at Featherweight, and at Lightweight, right? Whereas Ontiveros is a guy who's you know, he fought Kevin Holland at middleweight. Now, granted, Kevin Holland absolutely mopped the floor with him, but there's a big difference between middleweight and bantamweight. I mean, there's weight classes for a reason, right? So one thing about Ontiveros is he's he's fought the tougher competition. I mean, he's been in there with Kevin Holland. He's been in there with Jeff Neal. He even actually dropped Jeff Neal in their fight. You should go back and watch it. And uh, he even swept and reversed Jeff Neal in a position in their fight. So I was thinking that Ontiveros might be live, but then there was this one fight, and I'm actually a screen share with you guys real quick. I'm going to pull it up on YouTube. It was between Charlie Ontiveros and a kid named, I think, Will Morris. Um, hold on one second. Let me just pull this up. And, like, basically, Ontiveros was welcoming a dude that um, was making his pro debut and Ontiveros was the much more experienced guy. And the way that this kid handled Ontiveros makes me truly question if he'll ever win a UFC fight, if he even belongs. And it just lasts a minute. So I'm going to screen share and, and I want you all to I, I want you all to see what I'm talking about real quick uh, with Ontiveros, because, look, 
I do think I made a compelling argument with the size difference. One guy fought at bantamweight, one guy fought at middleweight. Now they're meeting in the middle at 155 pounds, but look at what guys making their pro debuts, guys with one and no records have done to Charlie Ontiveros. So I'm about to share this screen. Um, hold on. Okay, there we go. So let's see. Damn, is it is it not going to let me fucking do that? One second, one second. Let me try one more thing. If it doesn't let me, I'm just going to share the link um, down below so y'all can see it for yourselves. Okay, so let's see. Share screen. Screen one. Share. It says, it says Chrome has lost permission to capture... Uh, hold on. It says Chrome has lost permission to capture your screen. Follow these three steps. Um, okay, listen, I don't have time for all that shit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to copy the link to this fight and I'm going to share it in the chat and I need you all to watch it. It's only like a minute long. Like this is how a kid making either his pro debut or his second pro fight handled Charlie Ontiveros. Okay, so I just shared it in the chat. Y'all got to check that out real quick. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, honestly. And, and that's the reason why I can't take the shot on Ontiveros here because, you know, the thing about Ontiveros is that skills-wise, I mean, he ain't the best, obviously, but, I mean, he's not that bad. He's got some things going on. Look, if you can drop Jeff Neal, if you can reverse position on Jeff Neal, like, clearly you got some skills. I, I just question the guy's chin. I question the heart department. Um, I question his willingness to be in there when things get tough. So that's why I, I was, you know, I, I don't want to take the dog, but then laying chalk on a guy like Steve Garcia just doesn't seem like a recipe for success. Look, I will pick uh, Steve Garcia to win this fight just because I do think he's the tougher individual. Um, but, you know, at, at a price like this, I'm just a little bit cautious, but I, I do think he's more of the Nah, it, it's I know it sounds disrespectful, but I think he's more of the real fighter in the situation. So give me Steve Garcia, possibly possibly to get him out of there. Like I said, pro debut guys are getting this kid out of there. So, but then on the other hand, he's dropping and sweeping Jeff Neal. So I don't know. So give me Steve Garcia. Next up in the strawweight division, this should be a lot of fun. We got a matchup between Lupita Godinia. She's five and one. She's taking on. Silvana Gomez Juarez, who um, who is ten and two, and currently they got Lupita Godinez minus two hundred. The comeback on Sil Silvana Gomez Juarez is plus one seventy. So, okay, right off the bat, let me tell y'all something because I know when you guys often think about kind of lower level women's MMA uh, fights, you just think it's gonna be you know, head and arm throw city, arm bar from guard city, and, and this and that. But let me say something about these two. This is Mexico versus Argentina. So right away, you know that these two are going to be coming in here with a lot of intensity. I mean, I don't know if y'all got any experience with Argentinian women, um, but let me just say, based on my experience, they are very, very feisty. And um, if you piss them off, well, in here, we're talking about a fight situation. You'll see a side of them that you didn't know existed. And then on the other side, Lupita Godinez is Mexican. We know 
We know how Mexican warriors fight. And even in that pro debut, yeah, she lost to a former title challenger in Jessica Panay. I mean, she still picked her up over a threat over her head and slammed her multiple times. And one thing I like about Lupita Godinez is one of the things we've been talking about for years is that she kind of has that Jessica Andrade quality where the technique might not be the prettiest, but man, can she crack for that division standards and she will go forward and she will bomb on these ladies. And she's actually gone out there and, you know, dropped people before and hurt people with her punches and bunches. And that's what you like to see. Now with Silvana um, Gomez Juarez, she was actually supposed to fight on contender series coming up. And that was going to be her opportunity to get into the UFC. But then they called her short notice and was like, hey, fuck the job interview. You got the job. Now you're fighting Lupita Godinez. So it's tough because they're both prideful. They're both going to be aggressive. This is going to be a good fight. I just kind of, when we talk about experience, yes. Um, yes, Juarez has, you know, more than double the fights of uh, Godinez. But Godinez is actually been under the bright lights in the UFC, gone 15 hard minutes. A lot of people thought she might have won that fight. That experience counts for a lot. So while you can make the argument that the line should be a little bit closer, now let me also say uh, Juarez has been in there with fighters like Lipsky. Now, granted, she did lose, but you know that's still someone that's in the UFC, someone that won their last fight. So she's she's been experienced at this level. So I'm going to lean Godinez because she's had that UFC fight under her belt and it's short notice for Juarez, but I expect it to be the kind of fight where these two ladies put their pride on the line and they go out there swinging chingasos and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I'll be very surprised if this is head and arm throw and arm bar from guard city. I, I do expect these two to throw down and put on an entertaining fight. So I'm going to lean with uh, Godinez, um, but let's see what happens. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Charles Boston Strong Rosa. He's 14 and five. He's taking on Damon Jackson, who is 18 and four. And is he really 18 four? Because I believe some of his losses were changed to no contest, right? Oh, no. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. The Ronnie Jason one. And then all of us thought he, he lost to Levan Mahishvili. They called it a draw somehow. But all due respect. Currently, they got Damon Jackson minus 194. The comeback on Charles Rosa is plus 156. Look, I understand that Charles Rosa gives up takedowns too easily. I understand that Charles Rosa can't get up from bottom. But from time to time, against lower-level competition for UFC standards, Charles Rosa does have a knack for making these fights close and, you know, having those split-decision-type fights like he did with Yair Rodriguez, even in his last fight. Now, his last fight against Justin James, you know, the kid, uh, that uh, the bald head with the beard, ain't as good-looking as me, but still, he went out there and you know, put his whole purse on the line at the betting window. I don't know if that's actually true. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Who gives a shit? But um, back to my point, you know, that was a split decision type fight. And it's kind of a bad look when you're a favorite doing those kind of things. Even in that fight against um, Derek Minner, he was like a minus 190 favorite. He got dominated. But here he's the dog. So that's the big difference here. And I just can't justify laying close to two to one uh, on Damon Jackson. Look, I think both guys are skilled in terms of, you know, the scrambling ability and just the toughness and being able to survive in deep submission attempts. I mean, you saw some of those arm triangles that Bryce Mitchell got on Charles Rosa. 
I mean, the dude, the dude can survive. That's one thing about him. He can survive. It's just the big concern with him is that he spends so much time on his back that you can't always count on him to win the decision. But at a price like this, I kind of do view this as that dog or pass situation. Um, so I'm, I'm going to lean with Charles Rosa via close, maybe controversial split decision. So let's see what happens. Next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Alexander Romanov. He's 14 and 0. He's taking on Jared Vandera, who is 12 and 5. And currently, they got. <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't realize it was like that. Alexander Romanov minus 650, the comeback on Jared Vandera's plus 450. So basically, the way I view this contest is that Alexander Romanov. This is not going to be like the Espino fight. Espino is also, you know, a bit of a credentialed wrestler um, over there in Spain. Interestingly enough, I know it's not D1 or nothing, but it's still, I mean, the dude, basically, he's one of the top wrestlers to ever come out of Spain was uh, Espino. So they had a bit of a back and forth fight until you guys know the unfortunate ending. I'm just not convinced Jared Vandera has those same grappling chops. I mean, I, I know he doesn't. Here's my one concern. Even though, don't get me wrong, I think Romanov is going to come out here, take down City, and finish this guy on the mat. I'm just saying, since it's minus 650, and I do have to bring up all kinds of factors, it's not because it's not, you know, the kind of line you just want to bet straight. What I'd be worried about is if Alexander Romanov kind of blew out his gas tank. Because one thing about Vandera is he's one of those guys that'll just keep coming forward. He's, he's a dog out there, he's tough, he can rack up the volume from time to time. So, you know, maybe if uh, Romanov, uh, you know, gets him down, but this guy survives and he gets back up, maybe uh, Romanov starts huffing and puffing. That's the worst case scenario. But aside from that, I think Romanov's going to take this guy to Sky City. I think he's going to give him some frequent flyer miles, and, and I think he's going to submit him with something, maybe a schoolyard headlock, which he's known for. You know, I'm a fan of those. Maybe some ground and pound, uh, whatever the case may be. So I'm going to go with Ale- uh, Alexander Romanov, uh, you know, at this big favorite price to get it done now next up in the bantamweight division we got a matchup between chris gutierrez he's 16 and 3 he's taking on felipe Kolarish, who is 10 and 2 and currently they got chris gutierrez minus 265 the comeback on felipe Kolarish is plus 210 really quick let me send an invite to my boy cody durden who fought chris gutierrez um i mean this is super last minute so you know, there's a chance he's not going to join, but if he does, I'd love to hear his insight, you know, considering. Hold on. Hey, are you around, bro? I'm breaking down Chris Gutierrez fight right now and would love to hear your insight. Super last minute, so no, no big deal. No big deal if you can't. Here's the link to join, though. So I just sent Cody Durden the, the link. So if he joins, he joins. If not, not. I mean, the reason I bring it up is, you know, he went to a draw with Chris Gutierrez so he can speak firsthand about what it's like being in there with 15 minutes with a guy like Chris Gutierrez. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also send him that link um, on uh, Facebook as well. But anyways... Back to this. So let's talk about Kolarish first in case Cody Duran joins the call and wants to give his experience fighting Chris. So here's the thing about Kolarish. 
dude is a dog man dude is a junkyard dog i mean he's got a fucking insane chin i mean did you see the shots he was taking against montel jackson and even in the early going in um i was about to call him uh luke jackson like the braves pitcher that looks like my boy kelton but now in the luke sanders fight i mean one thing about this kid Kolarish is homeboy can take a beating man and keep coming forward he is durable as hell but sometimes tough is not enough so that's uh you know what the big deal is here like he he could get so down on points that he'd have to come back and get some kind of comeback finish now look we have seen chris gutierrez submitted before i mean the reason i'm talking like this is because again we're dealing with a big favorite here close to minus 300 so we got to address all situations i mean most likely it's going to be chris gutierrez getting off on his elite calf kicking game which i would say is probably up there top five best calf kicking games in the whole ufc and I hope Cody joins so he can talk about it. But I remember him telling me, because for, for those that don't know, the best way to get off on the kick is to kick with your shin. Cody was telling me that this motherfucker was kicking with the foot and he could feel it for like a month after. You know what I mean? So that's how hard um, that's how hard Chris Gutierrez kicks, man. And um, but aside from that, I will I will give him credit. You know, he is making strides in his ground game. He is an experienced guy. He has been in there with some tough competition. His submission defense is getting a lot better. Because one thing about Kolarish, now correct me if I'm wrong, I do believe he is a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He had a pretty tight guillotine attempt on Montel Jackson that I think lesser men or someone else maybe with a, you know, with a different build would have uh, probably tapped out to. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, if he, Luke Sanders might have tapped out somehow Luke Sanders made it to the decision and Luke Sanders retired. So props to him on making it to the UFC, getting a couple good wins and, you know, having a nice little career there. But the thing about this kid Kolarish is he can take that ass whooping and keep trucking forward. So that's a very admirable quality that I like about him. And in this fight, he's going to, his path to victory is to take that ass whooping up front and he's going to have to survive these calf kicks, get Chris Gutierrez to that extremely fatigued state. And then from there, get some kind of comeback finish, whether he jumps on a guillotine, whatever the case may be. So that's, that's basically Collar's path to victory. Now with Chris Gutierrez, you guys know the deal. He's got to chop down that tree consistently go to it i love his setups i love how he also starts going to the body he goes to the head as well his hands are improving too and he's got some spins in his arsenal as well the takedown defense is improving so you're seeing a better version of chris gutierrez every single time we see him and i felt like that fight against andre Uhl. interestingly enough andre Uhl was doing really good at times and chris gutierrez would find the right moments to steal the rounds at the end whether it was a knockdown whether it was landing the more damaging blows. So I feel like the fight IQ from Chris Gutierrez is getting a lot better too. So my pick is going to be Chris Gutierrez to win this fight because I simply think that Kolarish takes too much damage. And let's see let's see if the numbers back up those claims because um, just from watching him, it's uh, I feel like Kolarish takes too much damage. I want to – yeah, okay. So, you know, he's got a negative strikes absorbed ratio. He only lands two – slightly over two strikes per minute eats over four right so 
you know, and it's the complete opposite with Chris Gutierrez. Chris Gutierrez got a positive uh, strike differential, lands over four, eats slightly over two. So it's opposite direction. So this has to be a comeback victory for Kolarish for him to win this fight, most likely. Maybe, you know, weather a storm and get a guillotine. But I, I do think that, you know, what we all kind of think here is going to happen, that Chris Gutierrez chop him down with the calf kicks, start going upstairs. I don't know if he gets him out of there because Kolaris, man, you got to hit this guy with a fucking baseball bat to get him out of there. But I do see Chris Gutierrez uh, winning this fight. And real quick for everybody wondering, I know that there's a bit of a sync issue in terms of like my uh, my audio and my video. And just so you all know, that's going to be taken care of shortly. Uh, my birthday's coming up, so I'm going to treat myself to a new computer because I got this new camera. You see how nice the picture quality looks, right? It's just I, I I think this Mac I have right now isn't quite powerful enough to handle it, so I'm gonna buy a better one. And I think that the syncing issues is is gonna go away here pretty soon. So I'm just trying to improve the quality of the show every single time and give you guys the best product I can give you. So yeah. So before I talk about the main card, I gotta talk about uh, my sponsor, Price Picks. But real quick, my boy MMA Locker Room. What's good, my Braves fan? Hey. Firstly, y'all see how swagged out the Braves are on their trip to Milwaukee? Uh, I think we got a little something brewing uh, in Milwaukee, no pun intended. Uh, I'm very excited for us to get this upset. Again, you know, I root for my home teams, man. You know, There ain't no bandwagon shit around here. Falcons might be one and three. That can go one and, what, 16, and I'm still going to root for them. Like, I root for my teams till the day I die. But right now... Braves are doing their thing, so let's fucking go, Braves. And speaking of the Falcons, look at this fucking vintage old-school Falcons hat. What y'all know about that? Do they even make these anymore? I actually got that from my grandpa. Uh, you know, rest in peace. I inherited I inherited that. Um, fucking love that hat. But anyways, I want to talk to y'all about my sponsor, Prize Picks, who I truly believe are changing the fantasy sports game. And the reason I say that is this, you know, with these other outlets that you play fantasy sports on, it's kind of a thing where like, for example, for MMA, you got to make that perfect lineup of six fighters and pray to God that things go well. Right. Or, and then like with other sports, you got to put like what, seven to 10 players and just, oh man, let's just hope we get the winning combo. Let's, let's enter a hundred lineups and pray that one of them hits type thing, which, Hey, if you're hitting big, I ain't shitting on it. But I kind of feel like prize picks have simplified fantasy sports. And what I mean by that is that, you know, you feel like you have an edge in one fight in MMA, but you also like other sports, you like you you see something on football, you think Mahomes is gonna fuck up this year. You think Julio Jones isn't gonna perform as good outside of Atlanta. You think Calvin Ridley's gonna do his thing, or you like uh baseball like i do you think my boy austin riley is going to come out here put up some good numbers combine the sports and it's not a thing where you have to make a lineup of six athletes because it would be six fighters with these other outlets but with with prize picks it's you can combine sport you can do the same sport you can combine sports wherever you feel like you have that edge that's my favorite thing about it so and you can do either a combination of two you know players or, or you can do all the way up to five so there's really so many ways that you can do it and make sure y'all use my code battle um for an instant 
for an 100% deposit match up to $100. So like, for example, you just want to try them out. You want to throw in 25 bucks, they'll match that 25 bucks. You want to throw in 50 bucks, they'll match that 50. You want to throw in 100, they'll match that 100. You're balling out a little bit. You want to you want to throw in 250. You want to throw in a thousand, whatever the case may, may be. They'll give you an extra hundred to play with. So make sure you use my code battle. And also there's a link in the description here that you can click to get you going right away. So as I said, all, all half the battle listeners will receive an 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using the code battle or clicking the link in the description. And like I said, prize picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market. You pick two to five players from any sport and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And what separates them in addition to that is that prize picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. Or mass multi-entry. So it's literally just you versus the projection. Prize picks allows mixed sports entries, like I told you. So you can take the over on Mackenzie Dern, the under on Randy Brown, and mix it with, like I said, you you guys got these leans and you know that that sleeper pick in football or baseball or any other sport, throw it in there, combine it, man. Like I feel like it really takes the pressure off of you because with these other outlets, it's like, man, I feel confident about these three fighters, but then the other three, I'm rolling the dice on. Well, there's no more rolling the dice with price picks. That's what I love about them so much. And not only that, but they have a slick, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars with great reviews. So you guys know the deal. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com or download the Price Picks app. Use the code battle for an 100% deposit match up to $100 using code battle. So check it out, y'all. Price Picks. Now, main card time. First up in the middleweight division. And, you know, after I get through the main card fights, then I'm going to post the link to join this chat. And then you guys can come in here and ask me questions face to face. If you're feeling shy, just ask me questions in the chat and I'll put them on the screen and respond to them. I love interacting with the fans. Uh, I mean, you guys are, are, are my friends. You guys are my family. You know, I've had a tough year this year and I've really been able to find out, you know, who's fickle and who's real. You know, who's really had my back through thick and thin because when you're doing good in this game, you know, you're God's gift to planet Earth when, 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 you know, and when you're not, you're the biggest piece of shit that anyone's ever seen. But anyone that truly knows me knows that I've always flown straight. You know, I wasn't out here, you know, deleting my records or doing any bullshit like that, man. So I, I feel like I've been honest this entire time and been straightforward and been a real been a real individual. So I, I appreciate the fact that y'all have shown me so much support and so much love and fuck the bandwagoners. That's all I got to say, my man. Um. So my boy J Dog said, "Serious question: Do you use Manscaped to shave you, uh, to shave my dome? Yeah, of course I do, man. I mean, like I, I got two of them razors. I got, you know, the 4.0, which I love using on the dome, and then I got the 3.0 uh, for downstairs. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, hell yeah. I mean, dude, like one thing about it is, I've got the shaving." the head shaving down to a science with manscaped. Now I don't got to go to the barber shop no more. Like I can do the shit myself. So I absolutely use manscaped on my dome. 
but not, but not while I'm getting dome. <laughs> Anyways, first up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Phil Haas. He's 11 and two. He's taking on Duran Wynn, who's seven and two. And currently, they got Phil Haas minus 300. The comeback on Duran Wynn is plus 260. So. I'm kind of happy to see Phil Haas finally getting the respect he deserves. I felt like a lot of people were un- were shitting on him for the wrong reasons. And, and let me explain why I feel like people were unfairly criticizing Phil Haas. This is what you got to understand. Phil Haas goes 3-0 and as a professional. Then all of a sudden, they rush him to the ultimate fighter, and he fights Andrew Sanchez, who... Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he go on to win the season, right? You're fighting Andrew Sanchez. Then they put him in there with my boy, Lewis, put the guns down, Taylor, who was 12-3 and three at the time, while uh, Phil Haas was only 4-0. and oh. I mean, like, are you kidding me? And then after that, he doesn't even get a rebound. Then he fights on Contender Series against Julian Marquez, who's been doing his thing in the UFC, too. So people are judging him based off these fights when, you know, this kid's had five pro fights, uh, total it's like come on give him a chance to develop so he goes back to the regional scene puts his work in gets his second opportunity on contender series and he makes the most of it i mean knocks the guy out in the first round ufc debut knocks the guy out in the first round and then the whole thing was oh he's first round or bust goes out there against nasserdine imovov the guy who just finished ian heinish and let me tell you something nasserdine imovov is a dog. Nasruddin, the, the Russian sniper, I mean, this is a dude who's out here training with Cyril Ghan and who I think will make waves. I mean, he's fighting Edmund Shabazian next, and it was a dog fight. I mean, they had to dig deep, and Phil Haas got it done. So people are going to be like, oh, well, that's only one fight he went to decision. Very next fight against Kyle Dacus, uh, he overcame some scary moments early, and then he put it on Kyle Dacus. So what people don't realize about Phil Haas is that not only is he finally experienced, but, I mean, this guy is a D1 wrestler. He's got one-punch knockout power, and he's a freak athlete. And finally, the mental is catching up to the physical. So I'm very excited about the prospects of what Phil Haas is going to do. And just the fact that, you know, now he's getting the respect he deserves, that's something I like to see. And with Duran Wynn, look, man, he's going to have my respect. I mean, when you're a five foot six guy, fighting with the big boys at middleweight. I mean, just as a man, that's an admirable quality, plus his wrestling credentials as well. You know, I, I, I respect you, man. I mean, you're a bad boy. You know what I'm saying? It's just that there's weight classes for a reason. And, you know, I do kind of think that, you know, I don't know the guy personally, so maybe I'm way off on this, but I'm under the inclination that, you know, maybe his diet ain't the best. I mean, you guys know he missed weight for that, I believe, the Darren Stewart fight. So when a five foot six guy is missing weight at 185 pounds, that's a massive red flag. I mean, this guy should realistically be fighting at 170, but he's got balls. You got to you got to give him credit for that. But this is a fight where I think size is going to be a big factor because I don't really see Deron Wynn having a massive wrestling edge here. I mean, Phil Haas is the D1 wrestler here, not Deron Wynn. Now, Deron Wynn did go on to, what was it, made it to or tried out for the world team. or someone, One of you wrestlers correct me before I botch this info because I don't want to mess it up because I do respect Deron Wynn a lot. But we're dealing with a D1 wrestler here in Phil Haas. We're also dealing with... Um, What's the size difference in this fight? Five foot six versus six feet with a 77 inch reach. 
And I, I actually thought that Phil Haas was like 6'2". 77-inch reach versus 70-inch reach, and the dude's 5'6 at 185 pounds. Now, do you guys remember when Deron Wynn fought Eric Spicely? I was actually at that fight. They got fight of the night. It was originally supposed to be a Bruno Blindau Silva, the dude that knocked out Wellington Terman. And man, I thought that that was going to be a vicious knockout between Bruno Silva and Deron Wynn. But I think now, I, I just think that Deron Wynn is a bit outgunned in this fight. It'll be interesting to see some wrestling exchanges. I mean, look, on one side of things, you can give credit to Deron Wynn and being the shorter man, lower center of gravity. The takedowns will be more readily available. It's just that, you know, this ain't Antonio, Antonio Arroyo who can't stuff a takedown. This is a D1 All-American. Uh, I don't know if he's All-American. This is a D1 wrestler in Phil Haas who's also a freak athlete who will be able to stuff the takedown. So the only criticism for Phil Haas is that, you know, he will get wobbled from time to time. Um, now, his recoverability is great, but I am worried about sometime he's going to get flatlined. That's that's my big concern. I just don't think this is going to be the fight. I think he's going to put it on Duran Wynn, and I would actually not be surprised if he comes out here and knocks out Duran Wynn. So give me Phil Haas to get this done. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Maria Agapova or Agapova, excuse me. She's nine and two. She's taking on Sabina Mazo, who is also nine and two. And currently, they got Sabina Mazo minus one seventy, and the comeback on Maria Agapova is plus one forty. So, interesting fight because it's like I'm still not quite sure what to think about Agapova. You know, because losing to Shanna Dobson is a massive red flag. And it's one of those things where Shanna Dobson didn't just have a losing record in the UFC. She's got a losing record overall in MMA, right? And, I mean, Agapova was minus 1,000. She was supposed to come out there and just mop the floor with her. Um, I mean, because you saw how she handled Hannah Cyphers. Now, I, I know everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people han handle Hannah Cyphers and Maria Agapova looked like, holy shit, like this girl could be a top 15. I remember seeing people tweeting, I want to see Joanna Janjacek versus Agapova. I was like, guys, like slow down. She just fought Hannah Cyphers. Like, let's relax a little bit, right? Um, so here, it, it, it could be a redemption spot. Now, there are weaknesses. Like, let's say that that was an adrenaline dump and we should write it off. Maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. To me, it'll always be a red flag. Um, there was also the Tracy Cortez fight. Now, granted, Sabina Mazo doesn't have the wrestling credentials of uh, Tracy Cortez, but I'm just bringing it up because we have seen weakness in Agapova's ground game. She can be taken down. She can be held down, and she can also get pounded out, as you saw. But on, on the feet, she, she's got some good stuff. She's aggressive. She comes forward. She can finish fights, so you got to give her credit there. With Sabina Mazo, I do see the talent. I've just kind of wanted to see a little bit more progression. And I also, similar to Agapova letting us down against uh, Dobson, I mean, she didn't let me down. I'm not laying no minus 1,000. But, you know, similar to her, you know, just losing as a massive favorite, Sabina Mazo also kind of dropped the ball against Alexis Davis. The thing with Sabina Mazo, it's like, it's like a lot of pitter-patter, and then she'll brutally knock someone out with a head kick. She's got some nasty head kicks. And also in that Justine Quiche fight, Correct me if I'm wrong. She had a nasty-ass rear naked choke uh, in, in that fight, too. So she's got some skills. I mean, she's training at Kings MMA. She's getting better. I'm just kind of curious what happens in these stand-up exchanges. Like, I don't think it's so cut and dry. But what I will say is that since it appears, now I could be wrong, it appears 
that Agapova is not much of a takedown threat, which the takedown threat has been the weakness for both these ladies, both of them ending up on their back. That's That's been the big issue. So I kind of view this as a striking match. It's just, is there truly a cardio issue on the Agapova side? Was it a matter of the grappling draining the gas tank? Or was it just an adrenaline dump that she thought she was going to get Shanna? She didn't even take Shanna Dobson seriously, and now she's got her head on straight. So I'm kind of not sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean Mazo, but it's not the most confident pick in the world. Just because, just because stylistically, I do kind of see them both giving each other the kind of fight they want, which is on the feet. So who's the better striker here? Um, but that that's how it looks on paper. Who's going to throw in that curveball and mix in the takedown, right? So I, I find this to be a very intriguing fight. I'm going to lean Mazo because I still have more questions about Agapova, but it would not surprise me to see an upset in this spot if Agapova got her shit together. But I'm a, I'm a slight, slightly, slightly unconfidently lean towards Mazo here. Featured bout in the flyweight division. We got Tim Elliott, who's 17 and 11, taking on Mateus Nicolau, who's 16 and 2. Is it Matthews or is it Mateus? Currently, they got Mateus Nicolau minus 190. The comeback on Tim Elliott is plus 170. So, you know, this is a fight that I've wanted to see for a long time, actually. So, if you guys remember around, I think it was maybe 2017, I cashed a max bet on. Mateus Nicolau against Louis Smolka. And then right afterwards, I had Mateus Nicolau on half the battle. And I personally told him, I would love to see you fight against Tim Elliott. I just think that's such a good matchup for you. And at the time, I was more than confident that Mateus Nicolau was going to submit him in the first round. Now, he might still do that here, but I got to give Tim Elliott credit. I, I do feel like these last two fights, he's kind of reeled it in a bit. Look, as a fan, I mean, you got to love Tim Elliott. I mean, the guy's balls to the wall. He's aggressive. He's killer to be killed. He'll go out on his shield. He's got the most insane scrambles. I mean, you just got to love a Tim Elliott fight. As a fan, that's how I feel. But but as a betting man, you know, you just have to take into consideration that there are these fights where he goes out there and he blows his load because of that high pace he fights at. But style uh just how they match up skill wise i i think mateus nicklau has much cleaner hands than tim elliott also you know the ground game of tim elliott is his big strength he's a fantastic wrestler with submission ability but mateus nicklau is, is a black belt in jiu-jitsu and he's been a black belt for a very long time so the question here is listen mateus nicklau's got 100 takedown defense and one can make the argument he hasn't truly been tested by a real wrestler. My counter argument is he comes from Nova Uniao, the same gym that produced Jose Aldo, the same gym that produced Leo Santos, Hanan Barrao. And the reason I bring that up is those guys are known for legendary takedown defense, Jose Aldo especially. So Mateus Nicolau has currently got 100% takedown defense. Will that change on Saturday night? That remains to be seen. But I have reason to believe, based on the gym he comes from and based on the fact that no one's been able to take him down yet, it's not going to be that easy for uh, Tim Elliott to just come out here and rack up these takedowns. And if he does, I think there's going to be some fantastic scrambles. So I got a favor Nicolau here. I think he's got um, the cleaner hands. I think he's got the better jujitsu. I think he's got the higher ceiling. Here's my only issue with Nicolau. You know, 
his his chin ain't exactly the best. He's been rocked on multiple occasions. He's been knocked out more than once. That's my big concern. And I do think the reason why is because if you know the history of the guys from Nova Onyao, I mean, they're known for those legendary sparring sessions similar to shoot box where, I mean, these dudes are just going out there and it's like a fight every single week in that gym. So as a result, I mean, like you saw what happened to a guy like Tomas Almeida, um, you know, he's shoot box but the guys at Nova, some of them deteriorated a little bit quicker. Like Hennon Brow started off his career 32 and one and then went and then just fell off a cliff. So that that's my suspicion of why Mateus's chin ain't the best. But on the flip side, Tim Elliott isn't exactly known for dropping people or knocking people out. And Tim's very, very experienced too. You got to give him a lot of credit for that. And I kind of feel like, since he moved in with James Krause, I do think his confidence is kind of going up and he is kind of performing at a higher level. Like that last fight against Espinosa, I didn't see those same gassing problems and he still fought at a very high pace, got a lot of takedowns, was doing his thing. But Mateus Nicolau is a much higher level fighter than Jordan Espinosa. So I do kind of think that Mateus, I, mean, I wish this fight happened a couple of years ago because then it's max best season on Mateus Nicolau. Now, while I'm still picking Nicolau to win the fight, I think it might be a little bit closer now than it would have been a couple of years back. I just do think Mateus Nicolau is the more talented fighter in all areas. I think he's got cleaner hands. Like I said, he's a black belt in jujitsu. He's got better cardio. It's just the chin is my only concern, but luckily Tim Elliott's not much of a punching threat. So give me Mateus Nicolau to win this fight. All right, here we go. been looking forward to talking about this one. Co-main event of the evening in the welterweight division. We got Randy Rude Boy Brown. He's 13 and 4. He's taking on Jared Nitrain Gooden, who is 18 and 6. And currently they got Randy Brown minus 250. The comeback on Jared Gooden is plus 200. So just right off the bat, you guys know Jared Gooden, very good friend of mine. And when I say very good friend of mine, I don't mean that, you know, we send a couple messages to each other on Instagram and and I consider him a friend. I mean that. This guy's been to my house multiple times over the years. Um, whooped my ass in the gym multiple times, too. Um, I've been to his house. I mean, he, this guy's like a brother to me. Um, I love Jared Gooden. Um, now, I also like Randy Brown, too. Randy Brown, look, while Jared Gooden's like a brother to me, Randy Brown's like a good acquaintance, you know? If I ever uh, decide to play Call of Duty again, if I ever have time to play Call of Duty, I'm definitely going to hit up Randy Brown. I mean... If you play with Randy Brown, you're going to get dubs, man. I mean, the dude's a beast at that game. He's so fucking good. He gets accused of hacking. It's pretty funny. But back to this matchup. Um, and, and just again, to just get my bias out the way for Jared Gooden. I mean, like I said, after, you know, that fight with Stolze, the last one where he knocked that dude's head into the fifth row. And real quick, do you let me let me give a little background info. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this, but I'm going to give you a little inside info. Do you guys remember how on the day of the fight between Jared Gooden and Nicholas Stolze that at first they said the fight was off and then they said the fight was back on? You guys know why? Nicholas Stolze tried to back out the fight on fight day. <laughs> he, he literally tried. I don't know if because he saw Jared uh, at the weigh-ins. It was like, yo, yo, fuck this. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what the, what the deal was, but... Nicholas tried to back out the fight on fight day and based off the result, he probably should have. Right. But thank God he didn't. Cause you know, now Jared will have this highlight for the rest of eternity and he'll always be able to have that in his back pocket. Um, 
he got a highlight reel finish on ESPN. Um, it's been his dream to finish someone in the UFC in devastating fashion. Now, like I said, after that Stolte fight, two days later, Jared came over to the crib with a fine ass young lady, but that's a that's a different story for a different time. And I mean, like we just watched his knockout like 50 times in a row. Just had a great time. I'm just so proud of him because of how disciplined he is now since he got to the UFC. You know, in, in his regional scene, he was kind of just riding his talent and he wasn't taking it as seriously. He was kind of living a wild life. Um, but now he's so dialed in, he's so focused, he's in such amazing shape. And the big part of his game that he's been improving on is he's been putting a serious emphasis on his boxing. He's always had that one punch knockout power and he's always had good volume, but now his hands are getting cleaner, crisper. He's working on his defense because, you know, he used to have this thing about, because you, know, you got to understand, he's only 27 years old. He started fighting when he was like 19. So he's been in this since he was a kid. He had to grow up and learn the hard way. But he used to have a thing about, you know, oh, I can't be knocked out. And, you know, and oh, like, I don't mind eating shots. But that's not who he is anymore. He's super serious. He's so mature now. So this is the best version of him so far. I think he's going to get even better down the line. And I think the reason that the UFC has been testing him so much because he hasn't had any easy fights in the UFC, is because he came in there w w with a serious record, man. I mean, he didn't come in here, you know, 9-0. and 0. I mean, he came in there, what, 16-4, uh, and 17-4. So he already had an extensive record when he got into the UFC. That's why they're testing him off the bat. And interesting little parallel, kind of a useless fact, him and uh, Jared and Bilal Muhammad have something in common. Both of them had epic wars with Alan Juban in their UFC debuts, and then both of them are uh, fought Randy Brown in their fourth UFC fights. Just a little useless fact that I noticed. Um, so here in this fight with Randy Brown, I mean, listen, Randy Brown is another guy that's paid his dues, another guy that's been through the ups and the downs that you just have to respect. He's very long. He's very rangy. Now, he only has a one-inch reach advantage in this fight, but he's still got that long man body and it's hard to deal with. I mean, he can throw a knee up the middle that you don't see coming in the clinch. He's got elbows His don't sleep on his grappling ability either. I believe they're both Brown belts. I know Jared's a Brown, but I believe that Randy's a Brown belt as well. Um, so I, I just see this being an epic fight. They're going to stand and bang until one man falls. And while I normally wouldn't root for Randy Brown to fall, I mean, I, like I said, you know, Randy Brown's an acquaintance I respect. I mean, you know, played Warzone with him many times, and I'll always have a soft spot for Randy Brown for when he cashed that max bet against Mickey Gall, still the biggest wager I've ever laid. And I even thanked him for that, you know, when we played. And he, he's, just a, he's just a solid guy. I like Randy Brown. It's just that Jared's my real-life brother, and, you know, I would never pick against him. <laughs> like, you think I could pick against Jared, then have him come over to my house in two days, listen to this breakdown of me picking against him? How, how do you think that conversation would go? So you'll never catch me pick. You'll never catch me picking against Jared Gooden. But all bullshit aside, I do think there's a path to victory here, man. I mean, look, Jared's a tank. Jared's experienced. Jared's been five rounds before. Jared's fought taller opponents before. He's fought two taller opponents. He fought this kid Eli Winter, who's um, kind of six three, six four, and that was at 170 pounds. Jared won that fight. But then he also fought Bruno Oliveira, but that was at 185 pounds, and that was just a bad matchup. I mean, Bruno Oliveira fought on Contender Series at 205. Jared's a welterweight, but the weight ain't an issue anymore for Jared, um, especially now with how mature he is. 
and he's truly found a home with his new coaches. So what I'm hoping happens um, is that Jared comes out here, starts attacking the kicks, the low kicks early, because one thing about Randy Brown being such a tall man, he's got those skinny legs. And not only did Vicente Luque show it, um, hold on. Hold on one second. This guy just called me a noob. Didn't I just like this guy said, quit being a bias, prick. People tail your take. People tail you. Take your bias out of there, newbie. Firstly, newbie, uh, I've been doing this shit a long time. But secondly, didn't I just come out here and be forthcoming about the fact that I'm biased? Didn't I just admit that firsthand? Hasn't my honesty been on full display? So don't even try me with a gorilla, man. I'm going to post a link to this. Why don't you come in here with me right now and talk to me about that and tell me not to be biased? Here, here's the link. C come join me and tell me what's up. Let's see if you show your face on here. But anyways, um, what I wanted to say was, I mean, I'm forthcoming about the fact that this is my brother and I'm biased, so I'm not telling you to go bet on him. I mean, if you want to, that's on you. You can't blame me on that. Like, do you. You know what I'm saying? But the path to victory here would be to chop down the tree because Randy Brown does have very skinny legs um, Vicente Luque showed that this can be done and even Bilal Muhammad showed that this can be done and then eventually go upstairs and catch him. He has been knocked out before. That'd be the path to victory. For Randy Brown, he's got to stay long. He's got to use that volume style and you know he's got to try to you know use those elbows in the clinch, possibly get some takedowns. So, I mean, he did hit a nice blast double on Vicente Luque. So, that's pretty much my opinion on it, but you know I got to go with Nitran and uh, Shout out to my boy, Devante Sewell, in the chat. Um, also a badass fighter from here in Atlanta. Um, look out for him. He's got he's a very talented bantamweight fighter, man, with a nasty submission ability. So um, he's saying, I'm the, the other dude was saying, I'm saying people follow your bets. Quit being biased. Dude, I warned you up front that I'm biased about this. That means tail at your own risk. That doesn't mean I said this shit was a lock. I let you know up front. I'm being honest and transparent. But click that link above and tell me about that. Let's talk. Come in here. Show your face. Let's see how you talk to me one-on-one, -on -one, buddy. But I'm picking Jared Gooden because I would never pick against him. It's a biased pick. It is what it is. I'm honest about it. Main event of the evening in the strawweight division. We got Marina Rodriguez. She's 14 and 1 and 2, taking on Mackenzie Dern, who is 11 and 1. And currently, they got uh, Mackenzie Dern minus 170. The comeback on Marina Rodriguez is plus 138. Just to keep it short and sweet, I think that Marina Rodriguez is going to put on that striking clinic, but one takedown, and the fight could be over shortly after. And that's what I'm worried about because. I mean, Marina is so damn talented standing. I mean, like I said, she reminds me of a young Joanna Young Jacek, the way she mixes in her combinations, the way she uses her range, the arsenal of strikes she has. Um, and she damages girls when she goes out there. It's just that when she gets taken down, wow. <laughs> This dude said, this dude, uh, watch out, boy. He, this guy said, my phone's not working. Yeah, your phone's not working. That's why you're watching this right now. He says, my phone's not working, but come meet me in Cali. You'll be tasting the floor, staring up at the sky, wondering what happened. Get some meat on your bones. Watch out, boys. We got a badass. <laughs> I'd love to see it, man. 
I'll give you the address right now. Come through anytime, buddy. Let's see what you got. Straight up. Real talk, man to man. Let's see what's up. But it's funny. You want to fight over a fight prediction. You're a pussy. I know you are. I know you are. But anyways, back to this. Um, and I'm not going to block this guy. Let him speak his piece, man. Let him say what he wants. The guy's angry. The guy got no life. I mean, it is what it is. But anyways, um, what I'm most worried about is what everyone else is worried about is that Mackenzie Dern's going to take her down one time because we have seen Marina Rodriguez taken down multiple times. And to her credit, she has survived those spots. But man, like in that Cynthia Calvillo fight, took a lot of damage. The Carla Esparza fight, Carla was able to negate the big shots that Marina landed and still win that decision. And then there's been the two, uh, the draws, you know, against random Marcos. So that's what I'm worried about, man. Obviously, I mean, on the feet though, I think that, uh, I I think it's one of those things that you guys already know the deal here. Marina Rodriguez can stand and bang with anybody in that division. I think even her and Joanna Janjacek would be a, a fantastic fight. But here against Mackenzie Dern, I'm just worried she's going to be piecing up Mackenzie and that one takedown is what it is, man. So, yeah. But anyways, um, I will say this. Mackenzie Dern's hands have been getting better ever since she's been working with uh, Jason Perillo, like, her hands have been tightening up, and she's always had power, but now she's getting cleaner. I still don't think it's enough to stand and bang with someone like uh, Marina Rodriguez, but ultimately, I do see Mackenzie Dern getting this this uh, this fight to the to the mat and and finishing via submission. So I'm gonna go with Mackenzie Dern to submit Marie, uh, Marina Rodriguez. But let me say this. Uh, if Mackenzie Dern doesn't submit uh, Marina Rodriguez, then then it's a completely different fight. And then all bets are off the table. So, yeah, but I'm going to go with Mackenzie Dern via, via submission at some point in this fight, as long as she's not badly damaged in the early exchanges. So, again, here's the... Here's the link to join the chat. Uh, I'm going to do the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. Um, before I do that, if anyone wants to hop in now and talk to me, feel free to do so. But until then, let's talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So my fight to watch, I mean, you guys already know what my fight to watch is. My fight to watch is... Randy Brown versus Jared Gooden. I mean, these two are going to stand and bang until one man falls, and that's just the bottom line about it. Um, it's going to be a super exciting fight, and I can't wait to see it. So, yeah, Jared Gooden, Randy Brown, there's no way this fight's not exciting. My fighter to watch is going to be Matthews Nicola. I mean, this is a guy who at one point I thought was the top prospect at flyweight, and I thought that he could have done some big things. Then he left the UFC. And now he's coming back. I want to see if he can still live up to. Uh, I want to see if he can still live up to that, you know, that hype and that potential that that he once had. So Mateus Nicolau is my fighter to watch. I really want to see if he can, you know, because man, he's so damn skilled. He's so damn talented. I was actually surprised that they let him go when they did let him go. So. Yeah, Mateus Nicolau is my fighter to watch. All right, so before I get out of here, y'all let me know. Hop on in here with me. Um, anybody got any more questions for me?
Let me know. Oh, I'm going to scroll up and see what y'all got. My boy Aldo says he's on the Dern train. Okay, I understand why, especially if uh, <laughs> especially if uh, she gets it to the mat, like I think she might. Like I think she probably will. Mystic Souza says Agapova is her dog is his dog of the night. I can see why. Big Steve saying nice and early. Respect. I appreciate you, my man. Damien says, Chris Gutierrez is Sean O'Malley's nightmare. Prove me wrong. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's had issues with leg kicks before, so you already know the deal. If he can get off on a couple of those calf kicks, then yeah, that's the bottom line. So, guys, thank you so much. Uh, but again, anyone wants to hop in here with me, this is the last opportunity. Let's talk. Ask me any question you want, literally anything. I'm down to talk. Show your face. Let's see what's up. So ask me about literally anything. So I'm down to talk. But if not, I truly appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, make sure you all check out Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Check out Price Picks. Use code BATTLE for an 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using code BATTLE. And uh, thank you guys very, very much. Make sure you follow me at Best Fight Picks. You know, this guy is still talking. You know what's funny is this guy's watching my show. I ain't watching his show. So uh, I find it funny. But come in here, man. Come in. I'm, I'm giving you an open invite. Normally, I would just block your ass. But I really want to talk to you face to face. But you're a pussy. And you're not willing to do that. You know that. I gave you the address. I gave you the link. So I'm going to post the link one more time for anybody else that wants to join. Um, had some. I actually enjoyed answering the fan questions last time. Um, last call for that. Make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify. We'll be back next week. And actually, Shaq hit me up today. He said he wants to come back next week. So I believe the return of Shaq will be next week. I'm very, very excited about that. So last call. Anything else? If not, until the next time, let's cash these bets. <laughs>